While traveling on the road to Damascus, a church terrorist named Saul of Tarsus met the risen Christ and was gloriously transformed. He was literally blinded by the Shekinah glory of God and came to the shocking realization of his own spiritual blindness. Spiritual blindness plagues the worst and the best of us. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see, wrote an old slave trader named John Newton. He experienced the amazing grace of God, as did Saul, who became Paul the Apostle of Grace and the most influential leader in the early church. Do you need something akin to a Damascus Road experience that opens your eyes to your own spiritual blindness? I'm Ron Jones, and this is Something Good. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for good and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Hello and welcome to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. I'm Brian Davis, thanks for tuning in and if you've lost hope that God has a plan for your life, you've come to the right place. In just a few moments, you'll be reminded that as long as you have a pulse, you have a purpose. No matter how many setbacks you've endured, no matter how many mistakes you have made. Today's message is straight ahead as Ron continues his teaching series, AD Acts of the Apostles. Online you'll find us at somethinggoodradio.org where you can hear any of Ron's messages on demand on your schedule. And while you're there, check out Something Good Television, Something Good Courses, Something Good Travel and the new Something Good Digital Library, where you can search for biblical answers to your questions from nearly 30 years of Ron's Bible teaching ministry. That's somethinggoodradio.org. And now here's Ron with part two of his Something Good Radio message, Transforming a Terrorist. <laughs> and Saul of Tarsus experienced and saw the risen Christ that day in, in an unmistakable way. We don't call anybody an apostle today. The age of the apostles has passed because, well, none of us has, you know, visually seen or experienced uh, the risen Christ in this way. Um, just as a reminder, Romans 10 and verse 9 tells us, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. The resurrection is everything, friends. And I hope you've come to that place of settled conclusion in your heart that Jesus is alive. And if you haven't, study the evidence for yourself. Uh, don't take my word for it. Certainly take the word of God for it, but examine it. Put yourself on, on the jury and examine the evidence and ask yourself, uh, can you believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ after examining all the evidence and can you believe beyond a reasonable doubt? And the answer is yes. But you've got to come to that settled conclusion that Jesus is alive and he will gloriously save you. Sixth thing that Saul learned that day is God has a plan for your life. Look at it in verse 6. Jesus goes on to say, but rise and enter the city and you will be told what you are to do. In other words, Saul, I've got a plan for you. 
We got a plan for you. A little bit later, down in verse 15, uh, he goes on to say that, that this Saul is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Big picture here, God has a plan for your life. And he has a plan for you and for me, just as he had a plan for Saul, for the remainder of our time that he sovereignly chooses to leave us on this earth. Otherwise, he'd take us to heaven right away, right? There's no other reason for us to be here other than to fulfill the plan that he has for us and for us to carry out the mission that he's given to us as believers in Jesus Christ. Eight words, one mandate that no follower of Jesus can ignore, go therefore and make disciples of Jesus Christ of all nations. And that, that's why we're here. And God has a plan for your life and he has a plan for my life. Uh, one of the famous kind of uh, ways of sharing the gospel says, uh, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. I agree with every bit of that. I'd probably take the word wonderful out because the, wonderful, the plan that God had for Saul involved a lot of suffering and pain. Uh, Jesus said, for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. I know nobody wants to sign up for that, but just remember three S's associated with being a follower of Jesus, self-denial, sacrifice, and perhaps even suffering. Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow me. Follow me even into an experience of pain and suffering. Certainly the, the apostle Paul did. And tradition tells us that when he was in prison in Rome, that Nero finally, you know, sent the orders uh, to sever Paul's head from his body, and we believe that's the way the Apostle Paul died. But he was a chosen instrument of God to carry my name before the Gentiles. And the Apostle Paul, who was formerly Saul of Tarsus, the terrorist from Tarsus, became God's instrument for, for carrying the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. What plan does he have for your life? You may have lost all sight of that. You may, you may have lost all hope. You say, well, God doesn't have a plan for me. I don't know what my plan is. Well, remember the words of Jeremiah 17 and verse 9. To the nation of Israel, when they were in their Babylonian captivity and they had lost all hope, maybe all vision for God's plan, he says, I know the plans I have for you, plans for good and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. They couldn't see that in the circumstances that they were in but it gave them enough hope to live another day and to give themselves to God and to that future and to that hope. The Bible says in Proverbs 16 and verse 9, a man plans in his heart or a woman plans in her heart, but the Lord orders his steps. What, what plans do you have? What agendas do you have that are governing your will to where maybe you've been kicking against God's plans a little bit, but it's time for you to say, uh, not my will, but thine be done. It's time for you to pray, uh, thy kingdom come and thy will be done. It's time for you to take the plans that you have for your family, for your career, for your future, and hold them loosely because you'll never experience the thrill of fulfilling the purpose for which God created you 
and, and, and walking in His plan until you, you, you let your fingers gently unfold and say, Father, take it all. Take it all. Our Father who art in heaven, Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. You take my plans. It's interesting in um, uh, verse um, 6 there, but rise and enter the city, and Jesus says, you will be told what you are to do. That made me pause this week, and it made me think, you know, up to this point in Saul, Saul's life, nobody told Saul what to do. Saul told Saul what to do. He was the captain of his own ship. Nobody told that man what to do. And the arrogance with which he went, breathing murderous threats. But in the life of every believer in Jesus Christ, there comes that moment of surrender where you say, not my will, but thine be done. God, I've been, I've been trying to, you know, control my life up to this point. Now you tell me what to do. Have you reached that point, friend? You'll kick against the goad every time until you reach that point of complete surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, we call Him Lord, King of kings and Lord of lords, and we imagine a little throne that He sits on, but there's only one throne in our heart. And we crawl up back on that throne as often as we can. And we say, my kingdom come, my will be done on my little corner of the earth. And the Lord's waiting for us to say, no, Lord, you tell me what to do. It's a moment of surrender to the plan that God has for your life. There was a seventh thing that Saul learned that day, and it's important for us to learn too. And I would say it this way, the church of Jesus Christ is now your family. And I want us to pick it up in verse 10 of Acts chapter 9. The story goes on to say, there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, here am I, Lord. And the Lord said to him, rise and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he is praying. I bet he was. <laughs> Saul, Saul was praying like he'd never prayed before. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I, I've heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And, and here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. You can't blame Ananias for asking the question. Verse 15, but the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. And so Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized and taking food, he was strengthened. 
Go back to verse 17 and circle the words, Brother Saul. That's family language. Dr. Ron Jones will be right back with the second half of today's message, Transforming a Terrorist. Remember, you can stop by somethinggoodradio.org anytime to find out more about the ministry or to order selected resources like the series you're hearing now, AD Acts of the Apostles. The entire audio download of this 19-message series can be yours today for a gift to Something Good Radio. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Give online at somethinggoodradio.org. Mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456, or call our offices at 757-276-1099. And now, here's Ron with the rest of today's message, Transforming a Terrorist. Ananias is one of the unsung heroes in the New Testament. It's probably not the Ananias of Ananias and Sapphira, that we read about earlier in the book of Acts. This is Ananias of Damascus, an Ananias that was probably in Jerusalem. And when the persecution came in Acts chapter 8, he, along with many others, scattered into Judea and Samaria. It's how the gospel you know, began to uh, spread into other areas. And, and, and Ananias and, and many others ended up in Damascus. This is the only thing we, we read about of Ananias in the Scriptures. But Ananias, though, though hesitant to reach out to this you know, infamous Saul of Tarsus, becomes the instrument that God uses to welcome Saul into the family of God. Do, do you understand uh, the risk that he took and even the depth of what he was saying when he said, Brother Saul? I remember years ago, the first church that I served in Texas, it was one of those uh, brother-sister churches, you know. There were some people there, uh, good people, uh, lovely people of God who would refer to me as Brother Ron and uh, Sister Catherine, you know, and we'd smile. Um, it's kind of a cultural thing in some churches. Uh, we, we don't necessarily do that here, but if we did, it's very biblical because throughout the New Testament, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. We are part of the family of God. That's powerful, friends. If you call God your Father and Jesus Christ your Savior, you're my brother, you're my sister, and you're welcome in this family. Don't let anybody tell you different, all right? You're welcome in this place. Even if you don't call God your Father and Jesus your Savior, you're welcome to come here and investigate Christianity. But especially if you call God your Father and Jesus your Savior, we're family, friends. And with that comes all the blessing of family life and the challenges too. And don't look at me like you don't have challenges in your perfect family, okay? About a month or so ago, we had a Jones family reunion around my nephew's wedding, and um, it was a great time for, you know, family to get together. There were, there were two members of our extended family that hadn't talked to each other for years, and we were all kind of wondering, you know, leading up to this. We knew one was coming. We weren't sure the other was coming, but about a week before we got 
word that both of them were going to be there. And then we were all kind of like, shh, don't, don't draw attention to it. Just let it all happen and see if they talk to one another or maybe a, avoid each other. We didn't know. But God did a wonderful thing. And, and he brought those two extended family members together, and they had a great time. And uh, they're, they're now talking to each other more than I talk to them on a regular basis. And it's great. Why? Because we're family. And you don't give up on your family. It's the only family you've got. And maybe because we come from broken families and strained families, our understanding of the depth of the theology of what it means to be part of the family of God is fractured in some way. And so we have these protective barriers around us. And so-and-so hurt me years ago. You haven't talked to them in years. Are you kidding me? They're part of your family. I'm leaving this place. Are you kidding me? You can't give up on your family. And I know the family of God is broader than just one church, but every part of the family of God expresses itself in a local setting. We call our church family, right? I hope that means something to you. All the blessings that come with family life, and yes, all of the challenges, and, and, and we have to work through those things, right? No church is perfect. I'd mess it up if I went to a perfect church, and so would you. But Ananias reaches out to, of, of all people, are you kidding me, Saul of Tarsus, and calls him Brother Saul. And I tell you this, it changed Saul's view of the church he was persecuting. I, 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 I think he, the guy just had to have melted in the presence of those words. And all the caricatures that he had of, of the church and the people of the way and the people that he would persecute, that just all went aside when he met one person with Ananias that spoke to him with grace and called him Brother Saul. Oh, that that would be true. In this family of God, let alone the family of God worldwide, that we would be quick to welcome people into the family of God who call God their Father and Jesus Christ their Savior. We are children of God by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. To as many as received Him, that is Jesus, to them He gave the right to become Children of God, what a powerful image that is, and one that uh, we need to take to heart with us. Few of us will ever experience the dramatic uh, road to Damascus thing that, that, that Saul of Tarsus did, but don't think that your conversion to Jesus Christ is any less miraculous. Maybe you've been kicking against the goad for many years. And there's been some circumstance, maybe that you call it your road to Damascus, where the Lord humbled you enough to where you said, Lord, tell me what to do. Oh, am I tired of trying to figure this out myself. And you're humbled, you come to the cross of Christ, and what you find are the doors of heaven swinging wide open to somebody who calls Jesus Lord. And the doors of this thing called the church that, that you, you thought was this evil entity, the doors of the church opening wide. And you got, you got a new family. 
you knew nothing about. Maybe you get to experience what it means to be part of a family like you've never experienced before. And may all of us in faith in Christ act like brothers and sisters. You don't give up on your family, do you? No, I mean, you, you mend ways. You make it happen. You act like the family that we are because there ain't nothing more important than family, right? And especially the family of God. Thanks so much for joining us for today's Something Good radio message, Transforming a Terrorist. And Ron, Saul's conversion is so dramatic, his encounter with God so profound. It seems Saul had no choice but to convert to Christianity. I guess the question I have is, and maybe some of our listeners have wondered the same thing, did he have a choice? Wow, that is such a great question, Brian, and a challenging one, too. You've put all of our big toes in the deep end of a conversation about the sovereignty of God and the free will of man, a conversation that's been going on for at least 2,000 years of church history. I'm not sure that I'm going to solve it today, but um, I'm sure many of our listeners remember the line from the Godfather, I made him an offer he couldn't refuse. But here's the thing. Uh, This was not the Godfather who uh, addressed Saul on the road to Damascus. This was God the Father. Uh, You you see the difference there? Yes, it was a dramatic scene. Yes, it was so profound you wonder how anyone could possibly say no. But there's always a choice to make, not only about uh, placing our faith in Christ, but also about following him and how we will do that after we place our faith in him. The sovereignty of God and the free will of man has uh, created much debate and much discussion. I, I, I see some people running hard to one side or the other. Some are kind of hardline sovereignty of God people and leave little room for discussion about the free will of man. And at the opposite end, there are people who are hardline free will people who leave little discussion or room for the sovereignty of God. What I see in Scripture is an intentional tension between the two. It's kind of a both hand. I could argue uh, vehemently for the sovereignty of God in all matters, including salvation, which leads you into conversations about predestination and election and calling and all of that, words and concepts that we find deeply rooted in Scripture. But I also see places where um, it says, choose you this day whom you will serve. And I see even in the creation story, Adam given a choice about how he will respond to the limitations of his time in paradise. So it's kind of a both and. Um, Where I land, uh, again, is with an intentional tension where it is not God's intention for us to solve or release the intention, just accept it by faith that God is both sovereign and man has a measure of free will at the same time. God is completely sovereign in all matters, completely sovereign in salvation, but he has introduced a measure of free will in a way that he has never compromised his sovereignty um, or diminished it in any way. How's that, Brian, for splashing around in the deep end a little bit? When it comes to salvation and sanctification, God does the heavy lifting. He is the author and the perfecter of our faith. But in between, all of us, including Saul, have a choice to make. And I'm so glad Saul chose to live his life the way he did because, well, it shows us once again that with God, no one is beyond redemption. That's Dr. Ron Jones with some final thoughts about the dramatic conversion of the Apostle Paul. 
Well, Ron, on Monday, you move ahead in your series, A.D., Acts of the Apostles. Tell us a little about that message as we wrap up today's Something Good radio broadcast. You know, Brian, the conversion of Saul is one of the most amazing things in the entire New Testament. But we see this time and again throughout Scripture, Old Testament and New, that God often uses the least likely people to do his work. And when it comes to Saul, what a work it was. He became the greatest evangelist the world has ever seen. He wrote half the New Testament. He helped the church grow exponentially from where it had been. And that's where we're headed next time. But we'll begin to follow some of the early ministry of Saul, now the Apostle Paul. And along the way, I'll talk about some of the secrets to church growth. Secrets that were true in the life of Paul and that still hold true today. That's Monday when Ron shares his message, The Secret to a Growing Church. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.